Good morning. I hope you and your family are doing well during this time of stay-at-home orders and that you all are healthy and uh, getting along very well and, uh, and everything is, is going well for you and your family. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit of a, a, a person that can't quite sit still. I've always got to be doing something and if I've got too much time on my hands, I'll find something to do. Well, being home uh, more than usual lately has caused me to get involved in all kinds of little home projects, things that I find that I think need to get done. And so I find myself uh, working in the evenings or getting up early in the morning and uh, just busying myself with things. So a couple weeks ago, I had about three or four projects that I was working on all at the same time. And uh, it, it created quite a shopping list of various things that I needed to get. And so I was, for about three or four days straight, searching the internet for what I thought was going to be the best buy on all of these things that I was hoping to purchase. And I was trying to bundle them together into one big purchase that I could make uh, at one time and then it would all be arriving. And so I had my shopping cart, my online shopping cart, full on this one particular website. And I had finally gotten to the point where I thought everything on that list is the one that uh, I wanted of that particular item. And so I was getting ready to purchase it, typed in the credit card information and pressed order. As soon as I did, I heard a ding on my phone. I look over at a text message. Did you just try to make an order from uh, this certain website for X amount of dollars sent to me from the credit card company? Reply, uh, push one for yes, two for no. I hit one. Your order has been declined. You are now ready to make this purchase. Go ahead and get back online and purchase it again. I thought, oh my word, I've been looking for this stuff for four days. I thought, oh, I've got to go back. And it was a large, I had like probably 20 things on this list. I had to go back and try to find everything again. I thought, oh my word, did this really not go through? I even uh, checked the uh, statement, the online statement of my credit card, nothing. Checked my email to see if I received any kind of confirmation from the store, nothing. Oh man. So I go through and I find everything again. And now you know what's been happening to, uh, to me for the last week and a half. I've been getting two of everything in the mail. <laughs> so the first order did go through and I had no idea. And I bought it a second time. And I wasn't in the mood to go back and try to frustrate or try to uh, uh, cancel orders. I'm just going to return everything once I get it. But you know, I tell that story because I wonder if sometimes we feel like that's how our prayer life looks. We've come up with all of these requests and we're not sure if any of it's getting through. You know, prayer is central to our lives as Christians. It is to be like the air we breathe, just in and out of us all the time. And uh, most of us, I would say, I'd probably say all of us, 
pray at least occasionally. And yet, how many of us are fully satisfied with our prayer lives? Would you say that prayer is an area that you would like to grow in? Is prayer an area that you would like to experience greater depth in your relationship with God? You know, Jesus' disciples had followed him for uh, a couple of years by the time we get to the story that we have in Luke chapter 11. And surely they had prayed many prayers themselves. They had, most of them had grown up in good Jewish homes, I imagine, and had been taught by, uh, from a young age how to pray. And so all of them knew how to pray, just like all of us know how to pray. And yet there was something about the way that Jesus prayed that caused one of his disciples to ask, to ask the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. There was something about the relationship that Jesus had with his heavenly father. Something about the results that came after Jesus prayed that motivated his disciples to say, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's what this sermon is all about this morning. We want to be taught to pray. Not that we don't know how to pray, but we want to be taught to pray by Jesus himself so that we might be able to pray more meaningful more significant, more satisfying prayers, and maybe even to receive from the Lord more of what we are requesting. The title today of today's message is, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And that's what we are going to look at, his teaching to receive instruction about prayer. You know, part of the reason I thought this sermon is so relevant is because all of us know that we are to be praying all the time, but we are going through a period of time right now in which prayer seems very important. You know, we are going through a crisis period. This pandemic is a crisis. Whether you sense it uh, on a daily basis or not, this is a crisis in, the, in which uh, all of us have taken, been taken out of our normal routines. We've been isolated from so many of the relationships that we would normally have. Uh, work looks different. Home life looks different. Church looks different. Everything that we would consider to be normal is different right now. And it is probably weighing on our hearts, on our souls, in our emotions more than we realize. I was watching a... a pastor give a uh, some instructions to other pastors here a week ago and the pastor's name is Tim Keller he was a pastor in New York City during the time of during the during 9/11 and so his so that crisis that rocked the country at that time was especially centralized right in the community that he lived and so his church experienced all of that on a daily basis. And he said in uh, his talk to the other pastors, he said, uh, you know, you, you prob your church probably won't feel the full effects 
of the emotional strain that, it, that this pandemic is taking on you until two or maybe even three years down the road. And we may not realize how much this is weighing on us right now, but there are anxieties and fears that daily rise up in our hearts, or at least periodically, that, that weigh on us and, and uh, affect us emotionally, maybe more than what we realize even in the moment. It is the fears of the unknown. It is the anxieties related to the country or the economy and our own individual uh, work and, or business. And, uh, and then the stresses that this has upon us as a family, an extended family that we're not able to see or our immediate family that may be living with us and we're in tight quarters all the time. And there are, this is affecting us emotionally. And Tim Keller, as he began, as he continued to give the talk, he had a few directives towards pastors. And uh, the first one, I think, is relevant to all of us. And he said, give yourself extra time in prayer. Give yourself extra time in prayer. The, the one way that we can... See, the best way that we can seek to kind of help ourselves emotionally this time, during this time is to connect with God in prayer. And so to look at Jesus' words here and to receive his instructions on prayer is so timely. Now, as I said, we're in Luke chapter 11. Last week, Pastor Darren gave us an excellent message getting us back into Luke. We've been going through Luke for a while and we kind of took a detour for, for the last month and a half or so and now we're back into Luke in the sermon series titled New Hope and New Joy. Is that not a relevant title now? New Hope and New Joy? Is that not what we are praying for on a daily basis and, and, God, and for God and in, in our own lives and family and in our church and in our community? God give us new hope and new joy. So we're picking up right off the heels of what Pastor Darren preached on last week, and I'm now in chapter 11. And this morning I'm going to read, first of all, verses 1 through 4. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Many of you may be familiar with this passage. It is what we call the Lord's Prayer. But most of us that have learned the Lord's Prayer have learned it from Matthew. Matthew 6, 9 through 11 is the other uh, rec recorded scripture that we have about Jesus giving this teaching on the Lord's Prayer. And you'll notice if you have this, these verses memorized that Luke's version is slightly different. Uh, in fact, Luke's version is a little bit shorter and has a little bit different wor wording. The first thing that 
that just brings to mind is that the Lord's Prayer is to be a model prayer for us. This is not necessarily a prayer that you need to pray word for word, verbatim, over and over again. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but, th but Jesus' teaching here is meant to be a model for us. And so what we have here in Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer is six lines. There are six elements in the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray. And you'll notice that the first, you'll notice that the second three elements are where we typically spend the most amount of time in our prayers. We're very good at praying for our daily needs. Give us each day our daily bread. And we're actually pretty good at asking God to forgive our sins. Forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And I think that we oftentimes spend a lot of time in prayer asking God to lead us away from temptation. Help us with the struggles that are in our lives. And so the second three, I think, probably dominate about 95% of our prayer time, typically. But the first three are so important. In fact, the first three lay the grounding, the foundation, to the way that we might approach the second three. And so this morning, I want to focus on the first three elements of the Lord's Prayer, because I believe that these elements actually have the ability to transform the way we pray. It has the ability to bring more depth and significance, to give us a greater satisfaction in our prayer lives. In fact, I think if, if you apply what we are about to talk about together, that it will help you to feel like you are stronger in your prayers and more connected to God while you pray. And so let's think about these things. Three things to remember to pray. The first is to think about how you address God. How you address God. Jesus teaches us to start our prayers with, in the model prayer, he starts with Father. In Luke's version, it's simply one word, Father. Matthew says, our Father, the one in the heavens. But, uh, but what we have here with, uh, the, with addressing God as Father, it carries so much meaning and weight that we ought not to just rush past the address. Sometimes I think when we begin to pray, we just utter a couple words at the beginning to get God's attention, but it doesn't really have any, it doesn't register any cognitive thought. We just say, dear God, or Heavenly Father, or Jesus, and we launch into our prayer. But to refer to God as Father actually has a lot of meaning and significant in it, significance in it. It grounds us in our relationship with God. Father reminds us of God's intimate love, his power, 
his authority, and his wisdom. You see, all of those ideas are carried with the title of, Jesus, of God being our Father. Some of us have had great fathers, and to this day we have a wonderful relationship with our Father. And some of us have, to put it quite bluntly, have had terrible fathers. And to this day, uh, we have maybe no relationship to our Father. But all of us have in the back of our mind what would be an ideal father, the type of person that a father should be. A father should, first of all, have intimate love, that idea of closeness, that we have a close relationship with God. I love uh, being a, a dad, and I hope that my kids know they can come and talk to me about anything. There's nothing uh, too small. There's nothing too mundane that they cannot talk to me. There, there, there's no time in which they cannot interrupt me to bring to me their concerns or whatever they are excited about. There is a, a closeness that we have, a, an intimacy that hopefully I, I, my kids sense that they have with me. I know I sense I have with them. I love them so much. And they'll know that my love for them is unconditional. They could never tell me something that would cause me not to love them. And when we begin to think of God's fatherly love towards us, aren't those beautiful thoughts? The closeness that we can have with God, even the playfulness that we can have with God. You know, sometimes I think I'm Mount Dad. My kids just climb on top of me and, and wrestle me and, and we do the silliest things at dinner. There's a, there's a kind of intimacy and closeness that even though God is the God of the universe, through Jesus, he has made it very clear that he longs to draw close to us. And so he calls us his children and he is our father. There's an intimate love. And then there's also, secondly, uh, the idea of father carries the idea of power. You know, especially when you're, kid, when you're a kid, you think your dad can do anything. And so you get in arguments with your friends. My dad is stronger than your dad. My dad could do anything. And, kids will, and my kids will come and ask me for all kinds of stuff. And it's almost as if I can do everything. And it's sometimes disappointing to tell them, you know, I simply can't do that. But, that when, but when we think of God as our Father, there is nothing outside of His control. He is completely powerful. It, uh, God being our, when we address God as our Father, it reminds us of His intimate love. It reminds us, uh, reminds us of His power. It also reminds us of His authority. After dinner every night, there is two questions that I will be guarantee. I guarantee you, I will be asked. Same question from both kids. Can I have a treat? <laughs> well, eat five more bites of your spaghetti, and then you can have a treat. Uh, but that uh, question comes every night, and and uh, almost all the time, I'm going to answer yes. But they know they have to still ask. You know, when we give our lives to God, there is an authority. We come under His reign and rule. 
He is in charge of our lives. And when we come to God as Father, we remind ourselves that He has authority over us. And then lastly, it reminds us of a Father's wisdom. As the saying goes, Father knows best. And is it not true that God knows best? You know, sometimes during this uh, corona, uh, the coronavirus and during this pandemic, uh, we have to fall back on God's wisdom that he really does know best. And we pray our prayers, but may we pray to a father that we know has intimate love, that has a power, that has authority, and that has wisdom that he is going to give us what is best, even when we don't understand it in the moment. Because believe me, children don't always understand why their mom or dad tells them, do this or don't do that. But we trust in God's wisdom. Just a couple of verses later, Jesus will say in verses 11 through 13, speaking of, still speaking of prayer, he says, which of you fathers, if your son asked you for a fish, will give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, will give you a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we know that God will always give good gifts to us because he loves us. And the greatest gift that he could give us actually is his Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so all of these things are tied up with how we address God. I challenge you that as you enter into prayer that you might not just simply gloss over the address too quickly, but to call on your Heavenly Father and let that single word fill your heart, reminding you of who God is to you. And letting his intimate love and his power and his authority and his wisdom then guide you for the rest of your prayer. The second thing that Jesus teaches us to uh, pray is, Hallowed be your name. And so from this, we need to, remember, we need to look at how you ascribe praise to God. How you ascribe praise to God. When we talk, when Jesus teaches us to pray, hallowed be your name, he is teaching us to ascribe praise to God. Hallowed means sacred or holy or revered. It is, when, we think, when we speak of hallowed ground, it is a, a revered and a sacred space. And name refers to God's character. Sometimes we say, I don't want my name to be drugged through the mud. What we mean is, I don't want my character to be tarnished and others to think poorly of me. And so when we pray, what Jesus is te teaching us to pray here is to honor God by telling him who he is, by describing to him his own character and to praising him for things like his love and his power, his sovereignty his grace, mercy, kindness, compassion, and the list could go on and on. What, God, what Jesus is teaching us here is not just to make a list and list all the attributes of God that we can think of, but to truly praise God, to tell him who he is to us, and to begin to do, ascribe back to him the, 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 the character that is 
that he has. And as we do, it begins to really give a kind of depth to our prayer. In fact, this is the one element I might challenge us with most of all. As I have tried to incorporate this in my own life, to take time in each prayer, even a prayer before a meal, to take a moment to ascribe praise to God, it transforms the way I feel about how I am able to connect and to communicate with God because it, because it gives me an opportunity to uh, praise Him but also to receive who He is back into my life and uh, in that moment. If this one element were to grow in your prayers, your prayers would be transformed to be more God-centered and less self-centered. There would be a greater depth and you would find greater satisfaction in your prayer life. By ascribing praise to God, you will grow in your relationship with God and in your trust and dependence upon him. And so the second thing that Jesus teaches us to do is so very valuable. Think about this as you look at, as you uh, pray yourself. How will you ascribe praise to God? And then the last thing that Jesus teaches us, the last element of the Lord's Prayer that we're going to look at in depth today uh, from, uh, is how you align your life with God's intentions for the world. Let me uh, repeat that because I know that that's a fairly long point. How you align your life with God's intentions for the world. That's what Jesus is teaching us to do when, he's, when he teaches us to pray, your kingdom come. If I was to give a definition for the kingdom of God, it would be quite simply, the kingdom of God is life as God intends it. Jesus came uh, to bring a kingdom. And what, he, what that means is he comes to bring the life of God in the way that God intends us to live it. As we've been looking at the Gospel of Luke, and it's actually very similar in the other Gospels, uh, Jesus, it, the whole Gospel is saturated with Jesus talking about his kingdom. He teaches us what his kingdom is like. And then he says that uh, the works that he does are acts of the kingdom. And so his teaching is so practical on how to love your neighbor and how not to worry and how to pray and how to uh, forgive. It's because he's teaching us about life and how to live life as God intended it. And then Jesus' actions are so practical. I mean, he's healing people that are sick. He's feeding people that are hungry. He's correcting injustices that are uh, done towards individuals. In other words, he's improving people's lives. And this is what we are called to as Christians, to bring the kingdom of God to bring the life that God intended into this world. And so uh, God's kingdom is much more than just where we will go after we die. God's kingdom is meant to take up residence here in, in this world. It's tied to his will for our lives and for our community. And so Matthew teaches us to pray this line, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in other words, God's kingdom 
is synonymous with his will, that God's will would be worked out in our lives. All of us have a kingdom, so to speak. All of us are a king or a queen in the sense that we have authority over things in our lives. You are in charge of certain things. First of all, it starts with uh, very small things. It starts with the things like you're in charge of your own time. You're in charge of your money. You're in charge of what goes into your mind and what comes out of your mouth. No one else can uh, be in charge of those things. You are in charge of those things. And then all of us have relationships. We want to say that we rule over people, but we have influence, right? And uh, there are different relationships. Your relationship with your kids, your relationships that you ha have with friends, that you have with uh, co-workers or those that work under you. All of these relationships apply to your kingdom because you have influence. And when Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, he's teaching us to align our kingdom with his kingdom, that we would be used by him to bring about his will in the areas of our lives that we have influence. And so let me ask you that question. How's that going? How is your kingdom coming along? Is what is in your mind lined up with what God would have you to think about? Is how you are using your free time pleasing to the Lord? How about your family and your work and your finances and all of these things? And then kingdom is much more broad than just our own little bubble. God uh, wants us to be involved in bringing about his work in the world. And so how is your kingdom invading the kingdom of the world around you? Because you will have influence. And so this prayer is, your kingdom come, may your kingdom come through me. May my kingdom line up with your kingdom. That's the third point. How, are, how you align your life with God's intentions for the world. You see, once we have gotten through those three elements of the prayer, once we have addressed God and truly addressed God to come before him as our father and all that means, once we've ascribed praise to God and, uh, and, and, and told him about his attributes and his characteristics and, and how much all of that means to us, giving him praise and thanks, and once we've aligned ourselves with God's intentions for the world, do you see how that transforms our prayers? In fact, it will make a huge difference in how we pray the last elements. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. I'm not minimizing those things at all. In fact, they're in the Lord's Prayer. We ought to spend a lot of time praying 
But let's not forget about the first things because those are the things that ground us in our relationship with God. Those are the things, these first things are the things that give us deep satisfaction in our prayers. Do you ever wonder if your seals are, if your prayers are making it past the ceiling? The Lord's Prayer enables us to know that we have truly connected with God and that there is a depth to our prayers. My challenge for you this week is to pray. And as you pray, no matter if it's in your prayer closet, so to speak, or a prayer before the meal, don't run through the address too quick. Now come before God with humility, remembering who you're talking to. And don't forget to ascribe praise to him. And then at some point uh, during the day, make sure your prayer includes a, a thought of, aligning your life with his kingdom and how you can make a difference in the world, bringing about God's will so that it is done in your world just as it is done in heaven. My prayer is that we as a church, West Covina Christian Church, would be a church of prayer. We've talked a lot about that, being a church of fervent prayer. May God continue to help us to pursue him May we not give up, but persevere in prayer. In prayer, Lord, teach us to pray. Let's pray right now. Father God, oh Father, it is wonderful to come before you. A God who loves us so much with intimate love. A God who is powerful a God who has authority over our lives, a, a, a God who has wisdom. Father, we come before you and we thank you that you love us so much. We praise you that you are a God of grace and mercy and that you have called us to be your children. We praise you that you are sovereign and in control. And even as we go through this difficult time, uh, with quarantine and with the coronavirus. God, we thank you that you are still on your throne and that you are still in, con in control. God, we thank you for your kindness to us, that you will never give up on us, but that you continue to draw us to yourself and you continue to pour out your grace and your mercy to us every morning. God, we thank you for your wisdom that even when we don't understand, we know that your ways are always best. God, we thank you for who you are. And we pray that your kingdom would come in our lives, in our families, in our community, and in this country. God, we pray that this would be a time for your kingdom to come. May your will be done. God, we pray that the world as you, uh, as you intended, that it would begin to break in more and more through our lives and through our church. And God, may we be used by you to carry out your will in this world. So God, please, may your kingdom come through us. We pray that you would give us power, not to act in our own strength, but that you would give us power through your Holy Spirit to do the work that you want us to do. God, we thank you that you uh, that that is your desire, and we open ourselves up and ask that that you would help us to be obedient in to, in whatever way that you are calling us to.
May we stand up with those that have been treated unfairly. May we be on the side of the poor. May we uh, be on the side of children. May we, may we come alongside and, and bring food to the hungry and, and carry out your work. God, help us, first of all, just to love our neighbors and those in our family and those that live next to us. May your kingdom come. And God, we also pray that you would just, may your daily, may we, may we receive our daily bread. Give us our daily needs. And those that very broadly during this time, provide for us financially, keep us healthy and safe. God, just watch over us. Give us our daily needs. God, forgive us our sins. Forgive us when we don't pray as we should. Forgive us when we disobey you. And, uh, and God, lead us not into temptation. Help us to resist those temptations that come into our lives. But God, you are worth it. You are so good. You are so loving. We pray that you would just please help us to be who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.